Part 2 The Medicine of the Future Chapter 10 Rediscover the Whole Patient The innovations required to eliminate the undesirable developments described in the first part of the book are tantamount to a revolution. It is no longer a question of optimizing a candle, but rather like a light bulb of something completely new. We must and will have to completely rethink how we preserve or restore health, how we can finance this in a broad social, even global consensus, and why this will not cause any costs that hinder economic growth, but on the contrary, will be essential to be able to grow sustainably at all. The result must be a classless medicine, without distinction between so-called industrialized nations, emerging economies and developing countries. It must be fully democratic, without false incentives that create obstructive cost barriers. It need not to be that one previous Kondratievian wave influences the next, but by the sixth it will. Because if we want to capture the complexity of the entire human body on a daily basis and no longer just the partial knowledge of an organ that our brain or that of a specialist doctor can just about manage, as has been the case in the past, then what is called big data will automatically emerge. And because Big data is so technology-intensive, and because there are so many IT platforms among the current top 10 industries that can do everything and are not fixated on one product and one distribution channel, it is no surprise when it is precisely Apple, Amazon and Alphabet that are vehemently involved in the health revolution. Therapeutics by Alphabet logistics by Amazon, and the personal health record by Apple. The use of big data has also made its way into biomedical research. In the early days, especially after the sequencing of the human genome, this referred to the discovery of genes associated with diseases. The major conceptual breakthrough, however, was initiated by Albert Laszlo Barabashi, a physicist and network scientist. He works on different types of networks from huge data sets. We too are ultimately a network. First of organs, within organs of cells, within cells of DNA, proteins and so on. All interconnected. His construction of the network of all human diseases was an epoch-making work. He constructed a network from all the human diseases and all the genes known at that time for which an association with the disease had been published. The connections or lines in the network were created by such genes that were associated with at least two diseases. And from all these connecting genes and their associated diseases, the disease was created. Not regularly, like a chain-link fence, but some diseases form groups or clusters because they have many risk genes in common with each other. The genes specific to these clusters represent the long-sought key 
to the causes of disease. Thus, the group of genes becomes the disease definition and the diseases become symptoms of these genetic causes. The second exciting aspect was that all the clusters were motley with diseases or from now on symptoms in different organs that are currently treated by different specialists and different scientific disciplines deal with, but they belong together. If we pretend that these are different diseases that have nothing to do with each other, we will never get to the causes. So from here on, it was finally clear that the whole previous concept of medicine, organ instead of human, was wrong. Now there was an evidence-based approach to research the human instead of organs and to apply it medically. The end of medicine as we knew it. For example, one disease cluster contained all tumor diseases, completely independent of the organ in which the tumor occurs. Designations such as breast cancer, colon cancer, lung cancer or brain tumor are as understandable as this may be since it designates the localization, are virtually meaningless from a diagnostic therapeutic point of view. Two tumors that look microscopically identical and affect the same cell type in the same organ can be completely different genetically and thus in terms of treatable cause. This concept of dividing common chronic diseases according to the associated genes and signaling pathways and defining them mechanistically, molecularly, will be the solution to the problem of diseases now defined only by symptom and organ. In this way, diseases will be treated so effectively that they will disappear. Chronic treatment may still be necessary if, for example, the genetic mutation cannot be corrected, the causative mechanism persists and lifestyle adjustments are not sufficient. But the patient will remain symptom-free and will not have to fear the late effects. So, in fact, he is no longer ill, but chronically symptom-free. The scientific concept for this fundamental innovation in medicine is therefore in place. But to work through all this, we need a completely new kind of biomedical research, maximally patient-oriented and not primarily aimed at publications, And if so, the publication process must be designed differently. All data must be transparent and reproducible. If the research has been publicly funded, the results should also be publicly available. And, of course, organ-based research will no longer play a role in elucidating most diseases. The new medicine is called systems medicine, and it must heal not treat.